0: Episode 81 of Outlander Cast is brought to you by StoryWorth. Please visit Storyworth.com/slash Outlander to save $20 when you subscribe. All the way from Cranston, Rhode Island, welcome to Outlander Cast. It's a podcast dedicated to the show Outlander on Stars. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. So excited to have you here. So excited that it is May. I love May. It was, of course, not only Sam Hewen's birthday recently, but Jamie Fraser's birthday as well. And it's my birthday. Not going to lie, having three pretty fun tourist birthdays (laughs) in a week might be one of my favorite things. Like... I'm sorry, you're a Pisces. You
1: know what? I'm going to bring this whole conversation down and say I'm ready to talk about Blackjack Randall today. How does that sound? ruh <laughs> Well, the good news is, is that there is no writer's strike to worry about. Uh, we were worried a little bit last episode that it was going to happen. And as a matter of fact, I told Mary that I would have bet the mortgage on this house that we own, that we're sitting in right now, that there was going to be a writer's strike. Luckily, there wasn't. And luckily, season four will not be have any problems. Yep. And the thing too is not, not a lot, lot of people were talking about this but there could have been a problem for season three as well. Yes. So we don't even have to worry about it now. It's not even worth it's getting into. It's not even
0: worth but we're good. We're golden. All all things seem to point towards September hopefully.
1: Right. So for those of you who listened to the last episode and were worried about a writer's strike it is not have happening. Have no fear. Okay. I repeat it is not happening. There's nothing to worry about. So we're all set. We're all good.
0: No iceberg straight ahead. We're good.
1: <laughs> so for now, my darling.
0: You're just going to throw another iceberg in our I'm way. I'm throwing
1: another iceberg, it, Actually, iceberg kinda in Actually, I kind of like this way.
0: iceberg. I mean, the person I don't like, but your topic about it, I'm I'm pretty interested right. in.
1: Right. So the idea was I really like Blackjack Randall. And we were talking about season three last episode. And I do wonder about the villain for season three. What Or who will it be? And how personal will it be for Jamie and Claire and the rest of the Outlander cast? I mean, let's just be honest. Will it be as personal? Will it be as threatening? Will it be as vibrant as Black Jack Randall? So on the blog, what I had done was I wrote an article about this, talking about why Black Jack Randall is the best antagonist for... Outlander, but why actually maybe time for him to go? So, see you later. Without further ado, my darling, unless you have something else to add, why don't we just get right into the reading?
0: We, you mean you? Just me. Yes, sure. It's a Blake show.
1: All right, let's do it. In New England, where I live, we have a saying about someone, usually a sports figure, who can do no wrong in your eyes and who you support no matter what. We call that person a binky. Now, for example, Tom Brady is totally my binky. Well, I can honestly tell you that Tobias Menzies is definitely my outlander binky. And as most of you know, I love pretty much all things Black Jack Randall. And Frank. So despite myself admitted overwhelmingly biased love of his acting and how well I think his characters are in Outlander are written, I truly do believe that Tobias Menzies plays an amazing antagonist in this show. In fact, I would argue that Blackjack Randall is the perfect antagonist for Outlander and the show would be nowhere near as entertaining or engaging without him. Better yet, I'll double down. I will totally double down on this. Outlander, the show, would not be a success without Blackjack. Let me say that again. Outlander would not be a success without Blackjack. But before you turn this podcast off and dismiss all of my credibility, please allow me to give you an honest and educated opinion on why this show needs BJR. And fittingly enough why it's also time for the show to move on from him after Season 3. So, thank you for not turning this off, and thank you for sticking with me. To begin, I've always felt the show was at its most electric when Blackjack Randall or Frank were on screen. Need I remind you of the excellence on display in Claire's interrogation scene from the garrison commander? Or when Frank finds out Claire's baby isn't his? How about every interaction between our beloved Jamie and Claire with Black Jack Randall at Wentworth? You may not have liked the imagery, and I get it if you don't, but every scene Menzies is in just happens to be some of the most riveting, dramatic work Outlander has produced so far. Fact, not opinion. In the interest of transparency, however, I will admit, one, that as you know, I'm just a show watcher. I have never read the books and never will. Two. This analysis is relatively subjective. I've always been a fan of the bad guy, in quotes, whether it's Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, Walter White in Breaking Bad, Michael Corleone in The Godfather, Loki in The Avengers, Darth Vader in Star Wars, Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver, Dexter, or, and I even hate to admit this, Negan in The Walking Dead, and of course so on and so on. I do like bad guys. So yes, both of these subjective preferences certainly color my joy in watching blackjack randall talk about how he made a masterpiece with jamie at fort william yes of course rough imagery again but again absolutely visceral television recently though my subjectivity was proven a little more objective when i saw a mini documentary about the joker as played by heath ledger in the dark knight the film's purpose was to make a case for why he was the perfect antagonist for Batman in Christopher Nolan's iteration of the famed DC character. That spectacular video surmised that the Joker essentially turned Batman from being a guy in a rubber suit into a force of nature, inhabiting the Dark Knight persona as we all know him. When I saw this video, it was at this point that I had my aha moment. It was when I realized why I loved the bad guy in movies or television. And more importantly, why I have come to love BJR the character. Suffice it to say, I realized that my feeling about him wasn't just me being in love with the writing or the actor or the fact that BJR is totally my outlander binky. Rather, there were legitimate story reasons for my preferences so before we go any further though i know i do not condone whipping someone nearly to death no randall's constant need to dominate and in turn rape people is not something i am into either the man commits horrible acts and he is almost 100% abhorrent but on the other hand this is a fictional work with fictional acts and one has to interpret his actions as fictional, and thereby analyze them through the lens of what his acts do to help dramatize the fictional world he inhabits. So in other words, how does Randall, and everything that he does, benefit the story being told? Does it make it better? If filtered through that guise, regardless of whatever horrible acts he does, what Randall's function is as the antagonist of Outlander, and what he does, does it enhance the overall story experience? And my contention is yes. And it's by a landslide. It's not even close. So what was my aha moment? Why was I vindicated? Why is Diana Gabaldon's character of Blackjack Randall the perfect antagonist for Ron Moore's vision of Outlander? Well, with a little guidance from the aforementioned film, Here's why. Is it easy to argue, predicated upon the impact Randall has made on him, that our protagonist is James Fraser? Yes, James Fraser, our loving, most awesome king of men, James Fraser, could certainly be the main protagonist. But Black Jack Randall becomes infinitely more interesting when you shift focus to Claire Fraser, as being Randall's foe and the battle they share together. The stakes become far more personal because it's not just about lust or getting revenge for being embarrassed during a public beating as it would have been between Jamie and Randall. No, when the battle is between Claire and Blackjack, it becomes more about control and dominance, something we can all relate to. But let's dive in a little further and see why this is the case, shall we? Reason number one. Black Jack Randall attacks Claire's greatest weaknesses. In his book, Story, Robert McKee suggests a protagonist and his, or her, story can only be as intellectually and emotionally compelling as the forces of antagonism make them. In other words, our protagonist, Claire, in her story can only stand out as far as our antagonist, Blackjack, pushes her. Logically then, the harder they fight, the more personal it becomes, which results in more drama, and so we feel more attachment to either side. More attachment means a more compelling struggle. And if we have a highly compelling struggle, then we are privy to a highly entertaining show. So, how does BJR fight Claire? How does he push her? How do they create... A compelling struggle well from the moment we see her in france in 1945 we recognize claire as a strong intellectually capable fiercely independent sexually driven modern woman she's quick on her feet self-reliant and she loves the idea of control over her patients with the knowledge that she can heal them but most of all she loves the idea of a home She stares at that blue vase in the shop window, yearning for the moment when she feels like she belongs. These are all admirable traits, and we are proud of Claire for achieving them. It is with great pleasure, however, that Blackjack Randall takes these traits and turns them against Claire to make them her greatest weakness. Just like us, when Randall sees Claire for the first time, he witnesses a woman that he has not quite seen before. Yes, she's wearing that white shift, And he takes her confidence and self-reliance and transforms them into security and in desperation because he, too, is a dominating force. She is physically weaker than he. So he forces himself on her, both mentally and physically, throughout their story. In the Garrison Commander, for example, Randall allows Claire all of her inherent traits. He even goes as far as to apologize for his actions when they first met to set her at ease, giving the guise of control back to Claire. His trap was set, however, when her independent streak pushes Douglas outside of the meeting, and when her confidence and healing is stoked by a conversation to convert Blackjack Randall to the light, She thinks she's using her wits to describe her long-lost husband, all while Randall crafts a portrait of the beautiful liar in her visage. Then, as he will do so for the remainder of their time together, he physically dominates her, allowing a stranger to even beat her to a pulp. And this reason alone is why Garrison Commander works so well. Because all we know and like about Claire, wits, independence, control, even sexual confidence, are completely turned asunder and set against her. Essentially, Randall's prerogative, as well as his delight, is to make Claire feel out of control and small. And in just one single scene, we get to see almost everything we need to know about the two going forward in the story without actually having to tell you. The episode shows you. So they are opposites whose very nature creates a fundamental and built in conflict without the need of exposition. They exist, Claire and Blackjack Randall. And since they exist, they thereby oppose and while this is all well and good for a few scenes the next bit blackjack randall accomplishes is where things become truly interesting for he and claire reason number two randall forces claire to make harder and harder choices To further build on her strengths turning against her, Claire, despite her independence and wit, is finally devalued to the point where Dougal must rescue her from Blackjack's evil clutches. And as bad as that may be for our heroine and for our our confidence in her ability to fend off her foes, it is at this point Outlander finally kicks into high gear because Randall demands Claire be delivered to Fort William the next day. And from here on out, because of his interrogation and subsequent rescue, Claire and Randall become inexorably linked. And Claire knows that she cannot escape him unless she has help. Claire wants to go to her original home in the 40s, but it's Blackjack Randall that pushes her to make decisions that will affect the rest of her life in immeasurable ways. Claire's independence, her self-preservation, her confidence, all become her enemies. Enemies that push her helplessly into the arms of a reluctant Scottish clan. And if she has any intent to stay alive in her harsh setting, she must succumb to those enemies and marry Jamie Fraser to stay alive. And while we all like to think that this decision is for the better... She gets to marry a hunky guy. She gets to stay in Scotland. And of course, the story blossoms and continues that we all know. But think of it in terms of Claire at that very moment in time. She has to abandon her actual husband. She has to go further away from what she believes to be her home in the 40s. And she also has to succumb to the foreign world around her. Everything she is was and what we believe her to be as viewers is gone by this point by virtue of blackjack randall's threat and each choice she makes therein she separates herself from the character we originally met in post-war france she loses herself and we lose our protagonist and this is when the relationship between blackjack randall and claire becomes most interesting as McKee points out in his story, true character is revealed in the choices a human being makes under pressure. The greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation, and the truer the choice to the character's essential nature. So, Claire's true nature is revealed by her choices that Jonathan Randall forces on her. Every time Claire reacts, Blackjack has a countermove. For the most part, he is always ahead of her. And when he realizes that she is married to Jamie, then his plans become more personal than ever. The man he created a masterpiece with, the man who got away, the man he so lusts after, is now Claire's greatest weakness. He uses Claire, he degrades Claire, and he minimizes Claire just to attract James Fraser on multiple occasions. And when he has Jamie and Wentworth, he makes Jamie choose his own life or Claire's, further diminishing Claire's independence and thus splitting apart the relationship in which we and she have finally harbored our collective comfort. And here is why this choice is so vitally important. Because Black Jack Randall forces Jamie to choose and pits our lovers against each other's self-interests. He takes the intrinsic characters of our our title couple that we all love and turns them inside out. Once again, making them weaknesses. He knows that Jamie cannot sacrifice Claire. And Claire isn't strong enough to force Jamie out of Wentworth alone. In essence, Randall allows Claire to live. And I'll say this again. Randall allows Claire to live because he takes away her love he takes away jamie and consequently in one final act of using her choices against her randall manipulates the most sensitive of all claire's weaknesses he eradicates the home she finally uncovered in a time to which she doesn't belong and as fate has it jamie is rescued but like her home he is not the same anymore They both have been ravaged by Randall now. But Jamie is humiliated to the point of near suicide. So in order to flee Randall's grasp and motivated to change their own fortune, Claire and Jamie are forced out of Scotland into the clutches of an even more foreign environment, which, as we all know now, is France. But this is not the end of Randall's influence. In fact, his reach becomes ever more apparent while the Frasers reside in France. Yes, Jamie is ruined physically and mentally, which of course stresses our title's couple's relationship. But yet again, Claire's strength of wits obstruct her overall vision when she tries to outthink history by forcing Mary Hawkins away from Alex Randall only to serve her up to his brother, Jonathan Randall. Let's think about this, just from an unbiased point of view. Claire knowingly pushes a helpless little girl into her arch-enemy's arms. And it's not just an arch-enemy, it's Black Jack Randall. But as bad as that is, Claire's choices become even more convoluted when Black Jack arrives at her doorstep in France. Of course, one would like to think that Claire would allow Jamie to seek out his well-due revenge on Randall from Wentworth when they meet in France. But as if it were a cruel joke, Blackjack inadvertently strikes again because Claire cannot allow his lineage to be extinguished due to her love of Frank, the man to whom she was originally married and also just happens, well, she thinks to be related to Black Jack Randall. And this is the worst part. She chooses Frank over Jamie, her home. She chooses Black Jack Randall over Jamie, her home. And most disgustingly, I think, she chooses herself over Jamie, her home. Yes, our Claire we know and love has also knowingly chosen the very antithesis of what makes her herself. She chooses against home. Jonathan Randall forces Claire to make these choices, and it shows who she really might be on the inside. Is Claire tough, resilient, and independent, like we all like to think? Or is she the person who chooses herself? Is she the person who chooses Blackjack Randall? Is she the person who chooses Frank over Jamie? Does she do these things because she is selfish and helpless? Does she have a home in Scotland or does she belong in the 40s? What does this say about a woman whose original trajectory as a character was to find a home? What is her motivation in the show at this point? Or is she rudderless, going wherever the tidal forces of Blackjack and Jamie take her? And what's worse about it all is that Randall also forces Jamie to choose him over Claire at the famous duel in France. In spite of his promise not to fight Blackjack, James Fraser goes against his word to Claire, further denigrating their trust in each other. Additionally, it prevents Jamie from being at her side during the tragic birth of Faith. And it also starts eroding the satisfaction as well as excitement we, as a collective in viewership, have in a rescued Jamie. Not only does Claire question her relationship, now Randall has forced us as the viewers to question her relationship. Here's another thought. Do the choices Randall forces Claire to make, and resulting pressures she is subjected to, help contribute to the tragedy of faith? There may not be a correlation, but there is enough there, I believe, to make one at least consider the possibility, especially due to the fragility of pregnancy and birth during the 18th century. So while I don't think we can answer the aforementioned questions fully quite yet based on what's transpired within the television show i do believe that these questions are what makes claire's conflict so compelling this strong independent character is now within this story drifting without any of her traits or husband that made her the protagonist to begin with her choices make her strengths weaknesses we see claire's resolve in trying to rescue jamie but we also see the limit to her resolve in what it takes to rid herself completely of blackjack randall her true character as dictated by the choices she's made namely preventing jamie from killing randall are still very much up for debate which makes her experience pressure revelation and character so fascinating It is BJR's conflict with Claire, not Jamie, that enriches the story, which brings me to my next point. But before we get there, let's take a quick break.
0: Guess what, guys? I'm back. <laughs> I'm back for just a little bit. A nice
1: little Blake break from uh, yeah. Black Blackjack Randall.
0: Yeah. So, okay. We just wanted to remind you, of course, that today's episode is sponsored by StoryWorth. You can, of course, get $20 off by visiting StoryWorth.com slash Outlander. But, Blake, for people who may not know what StoryWorth, worth being like, how much is it worth? Right. You know? What is StoryWorth about?
1: StoryWorth is a company that will take uh, your request and send questions to a family member, perhaps a grandfather or a grandmother or your mother, your father, brother, sister, someone that you are very close with or you haven't seen for a while. Or you love. someone that lives across the country. It's a way to stay in touch with this person. What they do is they send a question over to them each week for one year if you get their service. They'll send a question over to the the person that you're trying to stay in touch with. Uh, You know, a question like, uh, what fascinated you as a child? Or uh, what was your proposal like when you got married? Uh, Did you you have a favorite car when you were growing up? Something like that. And they'll take all of these memories, if the person chooses to write them down or call into the special story worth number. And they'll take all the answers and they'll put them all in a book. And after a year, fifty-two questions. They'll take all the questions, put them in a book, and send that book to you as a gift. And you can give that book to that person, or you, you can keep it. Uh, for example, like I, if I were to do this, like I know um, for for, for I, I did it for my dad. Okay. As, right. I, I wanted to be able to have this gift for him, but also have it as a keepsake for the rest of our family. Yes. Or uh, for my kids, or whatever. And because uh, there's
0: so much we don't know, like I was even having a conversation with my mom and I was like, hey, tell me more about, you know, what life was like when you first joined the Navy. I mean, and things like that, that you often don't know about, yep. especially your parents or someone who is an older person. But even some of our close friends, there's things you don't know about. So this, of course, is an extraordinary gift. Yep especially that Mother's Day is coming up. So Mother's Day is coming up and you can get this gift if you have someone who's a mother because I myself, I'm a mom and, you know, yes, I would greatly appreciate sleeping in and yes I would greatly appreciate getting a massage but I don't know a lot about my mom I mean I know a lot but I don't know a lot a lot like I would love to have details and my mind is fried because I have two kids I can't remember everything she tells me and I would love to have a book like this about my mom or I would love to have a book like this even about one of my best friends who lives far away so this is why we wanted to let you know about StoryWorth, because it's exceptional. I do also think it's quite timely, <laughs> because, of course, season three of Outlander is about Jamie and Claire spending 20 years apart. Goodness knows what happened during those 20 years, and wouldn't it have been great
1: I know. <laughs> if they both had a
0: StoryWorth
1: <laughs> book
0: subscription that they could fill each other in during the time?
1: And we all know that Jamie is is very intent on keeping track of Claire and all the things that go along with her. But let's just say for the sake of argument that he forgot her birthday one day or something. Or if there was a Mother's Day coming up,
0: it could be a great last minute. He wouldn't forget. He
1: wouldn't forget. But let's just say the the King of Men forgot.
0: Let's say Frank forgot. Okay. Frank, (laughs) it's...
1: You know what? I'll use a very hated phrase in New England. It's more probable than not that Frank would forget. (laughs) (laughs) So... Either way, it could be a great last-minute gift because it doesn't require anything. It doesn't require anything other than just, hey, I want this. Can you please send questions to this person I want to create these memories with? And it's a hardcover book uh, uh, with a black and white interior with a color cover. It could be up to 480 pages. Holy and smokes. you could write stories, upload photos by email or on the web or in the app itself. Uh, and you can save and edit all your stories on storyworth.com. And of course, all the data that you get or that is given to them is secure. I love secure. this.
0: I love this. I love it so incredibly much. When, when we found out about this, I was like, this is unbelievable. This is the, this is the gift right. that everyone needs. It's
1: awesome. And yes. actually, I'll tell you a quick story. One of the questions that I did for my dad, well, I didn't do what they gave my dad, was has he ever been pulled over? <laughs> and my dad of course my dad's mr perfect and he hates to admit this but he has been pulled over really and when i was a kid growing up uh he drove corvettes and uh, he, he he's had corvettes since he was like in i don't know in his mid-20s and one time when he's driving to work when he was in his mid-40s let's just say he was driving on the highway and as he's driving his Corvette on the highway, big red Corvette, probably going eighty miles an hour. He's reading the paper as oh. he's as he's on in the Corvette.
0: That's old school texting while driving. Right. Okay. I know.
1: He's reading the paper, and a cop pulls him over, and <laughs> the cop comes up and opens up. My dad opens up the window, and the cop looks in, and my dad's name is Ken. He goes, "Damn it, Kenny!" <gasps> Don't read the paper while you're driving the car. My dad just happened to know the cop, the state trooper. Stop it! And he's like, Kenny, it could have been anybody else but me. And you've got a <laughs> huge ticket. What are you doing? So it, it, he, he's like, I don't trust you. He took the paper out of my dad's hand, perfect, and sent him on his way. There and you I would go. not have known this story. Unless I had StoryWorth. Awesome. And my awesome. dad had written it. Isn't it really cool? That's a
0: really cool story and a really good reason to invest in something like StoryWorth. So once again, if you go to StoryWorth.com slash Outlander, you can save $20.
1: That's right. So StoryWorth.com slash Outlander, you'll save $20. That's
0: what I just said. Booby I
1: know. I, I'm, I'm reiterating it <laughs> because it's that great. Trust me, you, you you might have your reading the paper while driving a Corvette story that you never knew about.
0: I don't read and drive nor do i text and drive <coughs> nor
1: do you drive corvettes
0: no i drive a <laughs> suv
1: so get this product trust me i would not recommend it if i didn't love it myself i would never ever recommend a product that i don't love and this one i really do and it's fantastic so storyworth.com slash outlander cat slash outlander and you will get 20 dollars off of your subscription number three BJR and Claire actually compete for the same thing, and shocker, here it is. It's Jamie. Randall is the perfect fit for Outlander because he and Claire are the perfect fit for each other. As John Truby states in his book, The Anatomy of Story, it is only by competing for the same goal that the hero and the opponent are forced to come into direct conflict and to do so again and again and again throughout the story. So whether it be in Scotland, England, or even France, Claire and BJR will always compete over Jamie. But it's not exactly what you think. Yes, Jamie is Claire's husband and she wants him. She tries to protect him from Blackjack, who lusts after the boy that got away all those years ago at Fort William. For Claire... Jamie is far more her partner in marriage. He is Claire's purpose in life now. He is her love. He is her home. Jamie represents everything that Claire has longed for during the entirety of her life, dating back to her time with her uncle in Egypt, all the way to being with Frank in Inverness. And that is what she wants in stability. Jamie challenges her, takes care of her, and most of all, loves her the way that she needs. But for Blackjack, Jamie is the culmination of domination. Jamie's capitulation and near-death are the tangible examples of how Blackjack chooses to operate his life. Why brand him? Why vow to kill him after he's had his way? Why, in Blackjack's own way, honor Jamie. Jamie signifies control to Blackjack Randall. And he will stop at nothing to have his control. What's worse is that this control has allowed Randall to see Jamie in a way that Claire will never see him. Let's go back to the Joker in The Dark Knight for some context. At about midway through The Dark Knight, Ledger's Joker shares a scene with an officer talking about his friends and why he chooses knives when he kills people. And I have the sound for you here. And he says the following.
0: Do you want to know why I use a knife? Guns are too quick. You can't savor all the little emotions. And you see... In their last moments, people show you who they really are. So, in a way, I knew your friends better than you ever did. Would you like to know which of them were cowards?
1: As sad as it might be to admit, through this example of the Joker... We can recognize now that Blackjack Randall sees Jamie and what they both think may be Jamie's last moments. It's at this point Jamie knows who he truly is, a man willing to do anything for Claire. But Claire never saw it and can never see it. It is a unique experience. So no matter what, Randall has seen something in Jamie that Claire never will. He has something on her that she cannot take away. So Blackjack Randall, because of this very reasoning, is the perfect antagonist for Outlander. The struggle between control, dominance, love, and recognition from Jamie pushes the story forward. Without Blackjack Randall, Claire never has to be rescued by the Mackenzies, never has to marry Jamie, never has to rescue Jamie, never has to go to France, never feels the need to change history so that the Scots win the Battle of Culloden, never kills Dougal, and never has to go back to the 40s with an unborn child. But would any of this work with another antagonist or protagonist? Could you perhaps trade Jason Isaac's Colonel Tavington and the Patriot for Blackjack Randall? The answer is no, because Taffington was a careerist who only cared about himself. He had no time for dominating other men the way that Black Jack Randall does. Or could you trade Claire for, let's say, Ray in Star Wars, The Force Awakens? And obviously the answer is no. The two work for each other just like Batman and the Joker work for each other because the stakes are personally tailored for Each other. This is also why the second season is inherently a less effective season than the first. In season one, we are forced to bear witness to what it takes to survive a man like Blackjack Randall. We witness love, hate, disgust, and disappointment, all human and raw emotions to which we can all relate. We feel those things. Every day, And when the finale airs, it's not a huge battle. It's not Helm's Deep from the Lord of the Rings. The main driving force of the finale is a rescue. A rescue of one man, one life, one love, one home. Whereas in the second season... Claire and Jamie are pitted against cartoonish villains like the Duke of Sandringham and the Comte Saint-Germain. The Duke was a means to an end, and the Comte, really honestly, l- let's, let's be honest here, had no personal conflict with Claire. He was just mad that she ruined a shipment of his goods. So when you look at that from an unbiased perspective, yes, I know we all love Outlander, and I know we all love the books. Well, I haven't read them, but I know everybody else loves the books, and we we treat it as though it were a holy text. But honestly now, let, let's just look at this from a completely analytical and unbiased point of view. What, honestly now, were the choices that the Comte Or the Duke that they made Claire undergo? How did they effectively change her the way that Blackjack changed her? There's no challenge there. It's not a personal stake. And there was also another odd villain in season two. Yes, time. (laughs) Yes, There was a literal race against time itself. In season two, Jamie and Claire struggle to change the future. Something we know as an audience cannot happen. It just can't. Otherwise, the future from which Claire came cannot exist. And thus, we would not have a story. Season 2 of Outlander had its faults, whether it was paced oddly or it set up many characters with very little payoff. But season two's most egregious offense? It was impersonal. We simply cannot relate to someone trying to kill us with poison because of a bad shipment of goods. We cannot relate to a goofy British Duke. Or... Trying to literally change the course of time. It's impossible. So we're not invested. There's no personal connection. We don't feel those things. The way that we did when we watched Black Jack Randall as the main antagonist in the first season. So as we learned earlier, the more personal the story becomes, this results in more drama. And so we feel more attachment to either side. More attachment means a more compelling struggle, and if we have a highly compelling struggle then we are privy to a highly entertaining show. So if we're not as invested, there's no drama. And if there's no drama, there's no show. Season 2 however did have its moments. It wasn't all bad. What were those? When was season 2 most compelling? You got it, baby when the stakes in the medal of Jamie and Claire's relationship were tested to its highest limits by the mere, admittedly shoehorned, presence of one Jonathan Wolverton Randall. But now we are brought back to our original question. What is the function of Black Jack Randall within the context of this story? Everything he does, whether it's raping women, raping men forcing Claire to get married, pushing her to leave Scotland or to come back to Scotland, nudging her to change history. He forces Claire to see herself for who she really is, what she is capable of doing, and what she is not capable of doing. And whether we like it or not, Blackjack Randall sets Claire on a course to fall in love with with James Fraser and change the very fabric of her life. As such, we can see her grow from being the fierce, independent woman who needs no man in her life to a woman who finds her home, who cherishes her love, who becomes a mother, and allows herself to be greater than just herself. Eventually, And through all these actions and choices that are made because of Black Jack Randall, we see a specific effect on Claire and the momentum of Outlander the story. We see Claire lose herself and we lose our antagonist. But in the end, we see her become something else entirely. She begins one way and ends in another. We see Claire Randall transform into Claire Fraser. And this is a character arc. And this is why the show would not be successful without Blackjack Randall. Because our protagonist, Claire, the one we love, and for whom we watch this show, isn't our protagonist without him. Without Blackjack, There is no arc, and thus, no story. Claire even admits it herself when she says to Blackjack Randall, The woman I am now is not the woman I once was. Which leads me to my last point. Number four. Blackjack Randall has to go for season three. You know, I do worry about the rest of Outlander. I worry that the stakes will never be as personal as they were in the first two seasons. The only option I see to keep the level of engagement and compelling drama is that Diana Gabaldon, Ron Moore, and his staff of writers find a way to pit Jamie against Claire, or vice versa. We already have so much investment in this relationship. And the only way to bring it out even further is to dive deeper into conflict. But you cannot keep bringing back Blackjack Randall to create that tension or that conflict every season because then it becomes forced. It was already somewhat forced by plot as it relates to season two when Claire and company just. Happened upon Alex Randall, who just happens to be sick, and just happens to be visited by Black Jack Randall. Which proposes a huge conundrum. Contrive less convincing ways to keep bringing back Randall, or let him go and be a little less personal. I'm afraid that there isn't really an answer here. We've seen what happens when the plot thickens too much, as it happened in Season 2. But we've also seen what happens when you force personal stakes through coincidence. Remember, the characters always must inform the plot. The plot should never inform the characters. The battle for Jamie Fraser, the inner divide that I truly believe fuels the drama of Outlander, must come to an end soon. Jamie must fight and kill Randall in order to be redeemed in his own eyes. Jamie cannot move forward with Claire if Randall still looms, even in his subconscious. Again, without Randall, there is no momentum. But there is only so much story to be told between the Randalls and the Frasers. Unlike the Joker and the Dark Knight, it cannot go on forever. The Frasers, and most importantly, we the viewers must have closure on what happened in Wentworth. And that closure to take advantage of its most dramatic impact without stretching the story unnecessarily must happen in Season 3. We have to reach a conclusion. It kills me to say it. But Blackjack Randall at the end of season three must go. And that is true. Well, that is it for now. That is the reading of a study of Blackjack. I hope you all enjoyed it. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns, please email me and we will get back to you as soon as possible. Now, normally this is when I end the show and I ask Mary if she's ready to close it out. So she is not here. So I will just say it's time to close out the show. Well, I hope you did enjoy the reading. I hope you did enjoy this character study. Like I said, if you do have any questions, comments, or concerns, please get in touch with me. And the many ways that you can do that or uh, our social media handles. They're all the same, OutlanderCast, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, anything you can think of, it's there. And if you want to write a lengthy message to me, because you either hated or loved this, and I hope you either hated it or loved it, you can email me at OutlanderCast at gmail.com. Now, there's also something I want to say, too. There is an opportunity for you to become a patron of Outlander Cast. If you feel that what Mary and I do brings enough value to you and your Outlander experience, we would love for you to become a patron. Something as little as $2 per month. Gets you the right to listen to all of our episodes way earlier than we p- publish them for the rest of the Outlander community. It gets you in depth and personal access to Mary and I. And there's also one other thing that will be happening too. If we reach $650 per month in our patron account per month, yes, I will sell my soul and I will read the first book of outlander and only the first book because i will never ever 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 compromise what we do for the podcast and the seasons of television going forward but i will read the first book and for patrons only i will do a chapter by chapter analysis that you can listen to if we get to 650 dollars per month of the first book so yes every man has a price just as uh, the million dollar man used to say. And uh, my price <laughs> for my pride is $650 per month. <laughs> well, everybody, uh, I hope again that you enjoyed this. As for now, my name's Blake, and you have been listening to Outlander Cast.